0: To The Reading Ramble, the regular podcast brought to you by Lancashire Libraries. In today's podcast, we're going to be looking at young adult fiction and specifically the Lancashire Book of the Year shortlist for 2021. We'll also be looking at our 2020 winner, The Year I Didn't Eat by Sam Pollan. To start us off on our conversation, uh, I'm just going to bring in Robin. Robin, can you tell us how long this award has been running for and what makes it so special?
1: Yeah, um, so Lancashire Book of the Year uh, started in 1987. Um, it was uh, one of, if not the very first, uh, young young adult um, fiction awards where the judges were young people themselves. So the, um, throughout the process, young people have looked at uh, long lists of, of, of young adult fiction, read a selection of those books and voted for them themselves until they're crowned their uh, Elboy winner. Elboy being the kind of colloquial um, way that we refer to Lancashire Book of the Year. Um, The the prize over the years since 1987 has seen some um, really synonymous uh, uh, names in young adult fiction writing. So the first ever winner was Philip Pullman, who won uh, with the Ruby in the Smoke, and since then, we've had uh, Brian Jacks win, Anthony Horowitz. I think Brian Jacks has won a few times. Um, Melvin Burgess has, has won. Um, uh, Robert Muchamore, with his um, Cherub series, won one of one of the one year. Uh, Holly Bourne, more recently, has has been a winner. Uh, and last year, we were um, the the prize was won by Samuel Pollen, um, who was a debut uh, debut author as well. Um, So, yeah, uh, it's got a long and storied history as Lancashire Book of the Year.
0: Excellent. And um, so how does it all work in terms of things like the publishers, the nominations and kind of who gets involved and how old are the young people who get involved in reading the books?
1: So the prize is is judged by students in year nine at school. the, the It's open to any book that is published in the uh, the year preceding. Um, so any it can be published anywhere in the world. Uh, and we have um a, a, on average about sixty uh, ish titles long listed each year. Um, from from publishers, both major ha- publishing houses to independents, and in the last few years, we've started to see more self-published works as well submitted for Lancashire Book of the Year. So it's it's open to a, a wide variety of authors um, and and their and their books. And uh, yeah.
0: Okay, great. And in uh, Caroline, can you tell us about what's been happening so far? Who's been involved, and uh, and what they've been doing?
2: Yeah, we start the process in September and we've got 21 high schools from all over Lancashire involved this year, which is great. Um, And obviously with Covid, we've run it slightly different than we would normally. And we've got a lot of help and support from publishers and authors. So actually this year we've got 68 titles to gift out to schools and we ask the pupils to read um, the books that we've given them. So they have a selection of 28 books and we ask them to vote for their top few. Titles. All these votes are collaborated in about April time, and then that will give us a shortlist. And that's sort of the process part of the process that we're up to now. So we've actually had hundreds of pupils all over Lancashire reading the books and then voting. So this will give us counties shortlisted. Now, this year we've got 11 titles on the shortlist.
0: I think it's really heartening that so many schools are still involved in the award, uh, particularly throughout COVID when schools have got so much uh, else going on. And it's really heartening that so many young people are getting involved and sharing their reviews of those books. Now, earlier this year, Robin caught up with our current, uh, current winner, Sam Pollan, to talk about his Elboy winner, The Year I Didn't Eat. And this is published by so, um
1: One thing that I was gonna start by asking you about was um, sort of recognition. And obviously your book has won Lancashire Book of the Year this year. Um, obviously working from home, you don't get as much uh, sort of like slaps on the back kind of thing from your peers and um, that kind of um, recognition from, from your colleagues and things. I was going to ask you about personal achievements, so winning Lancashire Buffer year, getting um, that recognition from young people in this instance, but also from your peers, such as um, I noticed that Mallory Blackman tweeted you after after you won to sort of offer congratulations and she's a, another former winner of um, Lancashire Buffer year. Can you tell us a little bit about um, what it's like to get that kind of mixture of recognition from young people and also from peers?
3: Yeah, it's, it's very strange. I think probably lots of... I mean I'm speaking from my own experience I suspect I'm probably speaking for other writers as well in that I am a strange mixture of very vain and like thinking I deserve praise for everything I've done you know and also pretty shy right I'm kind of I was a bookish person at school and you know that's that's definitely carried on in my life I'm not naturally someone who you know lots of you know uh, I think people become writers partly because they can just sit at a Desk and do that, and they don't have to talk to anybody. So it's it's, it's strange just from from that point of view, um, and obviously particularly social media has, has changed that a bit because you can have these conversations that you, that don't don't that uh, have a slightly different tone and, and a slightly different feel to kind of you know, talking to people in real life. Um, I think that yeah, getting recognition is obviously super lovely. This it's recognition particularly lovely because it's coming from you know my readers, young people. Um, but I think the the writing community is really supportive and, and authors tend to, you know, it's not, it's in some ways they're competing with each other, I guess, right? In that, you know, I can choose one book or another to read, but it never feels like that. If you're a writer, um, everyone is mutually supportive and obviously not. Some people have millions of readers and some people don't, but there's no sense of hierarchy, really. When you talk to other writers, it's very much people um celebrating reading and celebrating you know books that are written for all kinds of audiences
1: yeah um it's nice to see isn't it it's nice to have that especially at a time like this to have people in on the internet as it mostly is now that we're at
3: home that um celebrate with you and it can spread things a bit further afield yeah i mean the, the internet you know it's can make us all more lonely or, or a lot less lonely and i think this year has been um a year where we've obviously lacked other options yeah. and, and therefore those connections that you know lots of us make them on, on, online of all sorts have really come into their own um, and have been a key part of people's you know support and and kind of happiness and entertainment and all sorts of things throughout the past however long it's been now nine months
1: yeah um- can you tell us a bit about why you decided to write uh, this book in particular and if you always intended to write it as a young adult novel?
3: Yeah um, and I guess there's kind of two answers to that one of the simplest one is I am I'm a so my day job is as a copywriter. I write things for companies, websites and things like that. Um, so it's something that I knew I was okay at and enjoyed doing as a as a vacation so writing books was a kind of natural thing to do right because it was a as a way that I could do something that was a bit more personal to me but still using those same core skills um I wrote this book I mean I think every every kind of every writer and particularly when you're writing for young people but also just every writer I know thinks a lot about what they can write where they have something to say that hasn't been said by someone else um and that is you know, in my case, that's obviously a very personal thing because that was having this experience of having had an eating disorder and wanting to write something that um, spoke to people who'd been through something like that or knew people who'd been through something like that. But more generally, I think every writer is trying to be, you know, what can I, no one wants to, I mean, I'm sure some people do for, for narrow commercial reasons, but based no one wants to write a book that so- someone else has already written, right? They want to write something that is, uh, adding something new to the world um, and speaking to an audience that I haven't been spoken to before or or provoking a different thought for them you know making people see things in a new way um so that was kind of a big motivation for writing this story in particular. um I also feel like you know there's obviously with mental health things particularly if you have a personal connection to it you want to um, write a book that you would have liked to have read when you were going through something like that and that yeah. was a big Part of the motivation specifically for this. Um, you asked about whether I always intend to write young adult. Um, it's funny. I I had to do a lot of learning about the different age groups and books <laughs> uh, <laughs> as I was writing because it's. I mean, it's it's kind of so in the in the US it's like middle grade, it's upper middle grade, and then here we have this kind of kind of young adult or teen depending on who you talk to, and it's kind of there's a slightly in betweeny bit for the age group I was writing for. Um, But no, it's it's not like I didn't set out as a writer thinking I'm going to write for young people particularly. But obviously, given um, the topic, I felt like it was a topic that was particularly um, relevant to young people. So honestly, I just wrote about an eating disorder and and a young person with an eating disorder, which is the thing that I thought I could authentically, incredibly write about. Um, And it and it so happened that person was you know 13, 14, um, and that that I wanted to write that book in a way that was relevant to, to, to you know, people, the main character's age and, and people who are the age that I was when I was getting through that. So it kind of ended up being a book for that age group, but that was because it was the right way to tell that story rather than because I had this kind of burning desire to write for a particular age group, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, that makes complete sense, yeah. Was it the first book
1: you've written? Had you Have you got books that are secretly waiting to be released? that? Um, <laughs>
3: No, I mean, I think everyone who writes has has various half-finished and, and you know, half-conceived things in on their on their computer or <laughs> and in notebooks or whatever. Um, I certainly have that, but it's, yeah, it's the first book I've really kind of gone out and tried to write in a concerted way.
1: I suppose you, you want to make sure that it's the right finished article as well. So it's worth yeah, it at like, the end.
3: Absolutely. You want it to be as good as it can be, and I think, he, you know, I, t- I talked a little bit about that kind of, mixture of ego and vanity and 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 sort of um worry and and you know i mean i think that's that's true of the editorial process right you you accept that um you kind of you're slightly defensive of it initially because it's your thing that you write but then you very quickly accept particularly when people say smart things and point out problems with it you go oh yeah that's fair and you want it to be as good as it can be and you accept that you can only get it to a certain level without a second pair of eyes and without other people who are experts in doing that helping you Um, take it take it further
1: Um, When you were a teenager yourself what were the kind of books and authors that you would read at that age and have they sort of um, influenced the way that you write do you think?
3: Yeah so so when I was I think it's probably the the younger end of, of what was when I was sort of um, just kind of maybe entering teenage years I'm not quite sure how I was all, all the time it's very always very hard to remember but I was very into like Brian Jacks and the Red Wall books okay. that kind of thing yeah. so the sort of fancy books um I then went on a, a real strange uh experience of reading lots of like classics so I read like the the kind of books that were on my reading list for English class anyway so I read like um, Thomas Hardy and, and um, Tolstoy and Steinbeck and things like that which I still which I still love but I think you know um, was all fiction that isn't particularly for younger people and not that you know anyone should be able to read whatever they want and and enjoy whatever they want but I definitely I think it was like a self a slight um, I was quite a pretentious kid. I think <laughs> when I was a young person, I was like, I am going to go and read Tolstoy. Um, and I enjoyed it and I'm glad I did. But also like it was partly a personality thing rather than because that was necessarily the book I would have enjoyed most. And okay. um, I also read a lot of nonfiction and still read a lot of nonfiction. I would say that um, maybe more than half of what I read, um, again, a sacrilegious thing to say possibly, but no, it's not because people should be able oh. to read whatever they want but i read lots of books about science and and politics and economics and although when i was younger it was mostly science it was particularly biology zoology i ended up doing a zoology degree i was super interested in animals i wanted to work as like a vet or something that didn't transpire but yeah um if you've read the year i didn't eat you probably get that like um the Central character Max is, is very into zoology and very into animals, and that is somewhat reflective of my own experience. So, I read so when I was younger, I read like Doran Kindersley books, <laughs>
0: like cover
3: <laughs> yeah. to cover, about frogs or newts or whatever. Um, and then as I got older, there's lots of you know, uh, long, longer books about biology and um, evolution and things like that. But that was a lot of what I read when I was a teenager. Okay.
1: Uh, so you, you mentioned Max and the, the story, that, like the main topic of of the book being very close to home. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about that? And did you find it difficult to write um, some of the sort of passages of the book, being sort of semi autobiographical?
3: Uh, yeah, and I, I guess the first thing I'd say there is that Ma- like I obviously based it on my own experience because I wanted to, it to feel true and authentic to to people who've been through living- book. Through things like that, but Max's experience isn't my experience. You know, it's fictionalized, um, and I brought in other other stuff that other people I knew had been through and stuff like that. So he's kind of an amalgam of different experiences. Um, did I find it difficult? So I am lucky enough to have been someone who recovered from an eating disorder a long time ago, um, and actually one of the motivations for writing the book is because I feel like we have a misconception um that if you go through something like that it's always with you and you're always you're always a a day away from relapsing and you know like that's that's how we think about lots of mental health problems but particularly eating disorders i think Um, and that is true sadly for some people but it is also i think it is important when you're going through something like that to know that lots of other people do recover and and don't have like ongoing problems with with something like that Um, and that was true of me. I was lucky. So you know, when I sat down to write this book, it had probably been fifteen years since I'd had an eating disorder, really, um, and that obviously made it easier because it wasn't. There was a not a uh, risk of, um, you know, I, I did. I wasn't worried about falling back into, you know, maybe disordered eating or, or patterns of behaviour I didn't like. Um, but also it's trickier because I had to remember it all from a long time ago. And I think that's, that is a challenge of anyone writing about mental health, right? Is so you need a certain amount of distance to write about it in a way that feels safe for you. Um, and that might make it, um, that means you probably, you know, you get things slightly wrong or you, you know, you don't, you don't maybe capture every nuance, but there are things that are stuck very firmly in my head that I remember from the experience of having an eating disorder and parts of it kind of will, uh, I don't think the same way, but I will always remember thinking that way. If that makes sense, yeah, it does. Um, so yeah, so sorry that was a very garbled answer. Um, I, so yeah, I mean, I, I, it, it was a tricky thing to write because it's, it's sad, right? I feel like I lost a couple of years of my life to having gone through an eating disorder, and it's sad for me, and it's sad for other people. I was thinking about other people who've had that and other people who've struggled for much longer. Um, any mental health problem is is you know tragic because people are trying to get on with their lives and this thing gets in the, gets in the way. And, and I think I had a kind of a, a slight grief for having been through that and having put my family through that and stuff. because um, you know well, it isn't a nice experience um, as, as comes through clearly in the book. and as I think most yeah. people know, right something like that sucks. Um and thinking about something like that also sucked. But you know, I felt like it was an important thing and 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 there was at the same time I was thinking about the story and how to make it complicated and how to make it interesting and building these characters and all of that stuff's really fun. So the overall experience was positive, but it's definitely yeah, it's definitely a, a strange thing to revisit.
1: Just a couple more questions. Um is there any advice that you'd give to aspiring writers? Is it do you think it's better to write something that um you, you do have experience of um or do you think uh, that's not necessarily yeah uh...
3: yeah it's it's a i don't i do feel strongly that people you know the point of fiction is that it takes us outside an experience we've been through right that's why people write books and it it's imagine it's an exercise in imagination, right you' are writing about something that has never happened um otherwise you would write non-fiction you would write a memoir or whatever. Um, and you do that because, you know, we we love stories and we we love characters and we love plots and we love, you know, um events that happen to people and understanding why they react to what they're going through and how they're going to deal with it and how they're going to overcome challenges and all of the things that happen in a book. Um, that said, I do think that there's um there's obviously value um in writing about something that you know well because you can make it more credible and you can make it more authentic and you can understand the nuances. I also think it's it's, um, you know, when people write historical fiction and things like that, they they research it in massive amounts of detail and and you know, they find out what someone who, was living in 16th century Amsterdam ate for breakfast or whatever the scenario is Um, but then they take most of that away and you wear it very lightly right because actually that stuff if you if you just write a book that is all of those facts that you acquired it becomes a very sort of baggy uninteresting thing to write right Uh, so it's hard to read Um, so it's really hard I think to particularly when you're writing about uh, something you haven't you don't you're not close to to know what the right level of detail is um because you can just fill it with all of those details that feel like they're um capturing the world but actually you're just over explaining the world and and you're just you bogged down in all of that detail um there's also a separate related thing here i think of sensitivity right so if you're writing about mental health or if you're writing about the experiences of you know minority community or kind of different experiences that you may not have been through yourself i think again i think that that's something that potentially anyone can do and people shouldn't feel like there are things that you can never can never write about I don't think that's true but also you have to accept that you are talking about other people's lived experience that isn't your experience and I think there's a sensitivity and a care that you need to take there I was writing about I was writing about something that I'd been through but even in that case I was aware that I was writing about you know I I am one person who has been through an eating disorder and other people have had tougher experiences and different experiences so I was very sensitive about or tried to be very sensitive about that fact and about approaching that in the right way.
0: So now it comes to the exciting part, where we're going to share the uh, shortlist for 2021 with you. Uh,
2: Carolyn, would you like to start by introducing the first book? Yeah, we have 11 titles on the shortlist this year, and they are We Are Bound by Stars by Kezia Lupef.
1: Wink by Rob Harrell,
2: The Loop by Ben Oliver,
1: Chelsea High by Jenny Oliver,
2: Love on the Main Stage by S.A. Domingo,
1: Five Little Liars by Amanda K. Morgan,
2: The Rise of the Chemist by Nathan Parker,
1: The Last Paper Crane by Kerry Drury,
2: On Midnight Beach by Marie Louise Fitzpatrick.
1: The Black Kids by Christina Hammond-Reed
2: and The Stars Were Burning Brightly by Daniela Janwando. This is looking like a great shortlist for our
0: young adult judges to read this summer. We'll have a winner in a few months time once all the votes are in and we can't wait to hear which book that will be. So now you can read the books for yourselves, those books will be available on BorrowBox And they'll also be available through Lancashire Libraries. Now, you can share your reviews on our library catalogue. If you read the book and have a view that you want to share, you're more than welcome to share that review on that catalogue. It is only the uh, young people who are taking part through the schools that can actually uh, cast a vote, but that just ensures that it makes sure that it's only young people who are voting for that award You can follow us on Twitter or Facebook. Our account is Lanx Libraries. And if you're looking for the Elboy posts, that's just Elboy 2021. So until next time, thank you for listening to The Reading Ramble.